J.I. Packer, the person who wrote Knowing God is Now in the Presence of the Lord. And I wonder what that conversation is like, since Knowing God is such a rich, theologically, you know, theologically rich book. I wonder if God is like, yeah, this is close, but not, uh, but not complete. Um, but yeah, if, uh, if you've ever read that book or you're reading that book, uh, J.I. Packer passed away today. He was 93 years old. Uh, and we're thankful that, that people like J.I. Packer has finished the race well. So if you think about him um, or you read his book, uh, you know, just a little side note before I start. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please open Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, we'll start by reading this entire chapter and then we'll pray and then we'll get into the teaching of the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 4. Hear, O sons, the instructions of a father. Give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender, and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. Hear, my son, and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. If you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instructions. Do not let her, do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. But they cannot sleep unless they do evil. And they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like this light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, and from it flow the spring of life. Put away from, your, from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established do not turn to the right nor to the left turn your foot away from evil let's go to lord in prayer heavenly father may you be with us uh, now as we look at this um, proverb knowing that it, you are the one that ultimately inspired it um, and we're thankful for your word and may you shape our minds and our conduct uh, through it and may we all humbly uh, seek wisdom not wisdom from this world but only wisdom from above 
and may we be transformed to be more like your son, Lord. Give us attentive, attentiveness now um, as we study your word. We thank you for this time. Praise in your son's name. Amen. Deuteronomy 6 has an instruction for all of Israel, uh, particularly the parents. The parents are to ensure that they teach their kids all that they know about God and what they have learned from God to the next generation. It is the duty of all the parents to instruct them in the ways of Yahweh. Um, they were supposed to have different um, sacrifices that makes them remember what happened in Egypt. They were supposed to do uh, different ceremonial things so that they know they have a covenant relationship with the Lord. Uh, this is the, the role of the parent. And in this chapter, we actually get to see that played out because this is actually three generations of individuals. They're David teaching Solomon and Solomon teaching Rehoboam. Three generations from the same line. And it's kind of cool because in, in some sense, this this chapter ha- kind of has like three authors. It's the Holy Spirit uh, that moved David to speaking wisdom into Solomon and the Holy Spirit again, moving Solomon to write down all that uh, he's learned from his dad, which is really from the Holy Spirit into this proverb. Uh, so Solomon and David uh, understand the reality of what happens when people choose wisdom or if they choose foolishness. And, uh, and since because of this, you know, Three generational thing, David, Solomon. I, I was sometimes in this passage as I preached through tonight. I might switch between David and, and Solomon because they they're both saying the same things uh, to the to their respective sons. I remember it's a Solomon is the son of David. He David taught Solomon all that he was able to teach in hopes that Solomon will be a good and wise king. And Solomon is teaching Rehoboam the same thing that his dad taught him in ho- in hopes that he will be a good and wise king. Now, if you imagine Solomon's teaching his son, uh, just imagine he's in like a marketplace. Uh, he's showing them all that there is uh, available out there. There's pleasure, there's luxury, there's success. And then in one corner, there's wisdom. Solomon here wants to attempt to persuade his son on why he should invest all that he has into wisdom. This is an interesting section of scripture because it's a father trying to teach his son what he learned from his father's in hopes that his son will not make the same mistakes. Understand this, uh, your decisions in life now will impact how you will be in the future. For those of you that want to be parents, you must understand and realize that the choices that you make today will have an impact on your kids in the future. That doesn't mean that they'll somehow inherit the consequences of your sin, but they may feel the effects of your sin. Uh, We established last week that Solomon didn't actually even follow through with things that he learned from Solomon. All of his wisdom, uh, he didn't listen to uh, the wisdom that he's learned. He is, in some sense, the wisest fool. He didn't listen to his father, and he hopes that his son would listen to him and his grandfather and to take heed of the wisdom that he's going to share. And you need to ask yourself this question now. Are you wise enough to actually take in God's word and avoid the path of the fool? If you study the Bible enough, you'll see that there is a line of foolish people because they all ignore the warnings of God. David failed. Solomon failed. Rehoboam failed. If if, if their lives are hard because they failed to listen to God, so will our lives be difficult if we fail to listen to the Lord. In my life, I have friends that were in seminary and um, you know, godly people now, but uh, that shared about how they've regretted making mistakes in the past. Uh, friends that wish they, they did not sleep with individuals in the past because now they have to 
they know in their conscience that they have to somehow explain something different to their kids. They can't tell them about the, the joys of guarding their own purity, but really the failures of giving into temptations. I know people who wish that they made better life choices so that they don't have to play catch up in life as an older person. <clears throat> if you learn from the mistakes of others, you don't have to make the mistakes yourself and bear the weight of the foolishness that comes from sin. Because some of these sins will have lasting consequences in your life. Take heed in the wisdom that is in scripture. God designed the world in a certain way. And if you choose to ignore uh, the, those boundaries, hardship will come. These, there are many people in scripture that shows us what happens when they fail to listen and obey to God's word. <clears throat> the series in the book of Proverbs is supposed to help us grow up. It's designed to make us mature men and women of God. We want to be what God wants us to be, and we can only be what he wants us to be through what scripture tells us. We want to be wise according to the Lord, not according to the world. So if you want to be a mature Christian, you want to be a mature man and a mature woman of God. You want to first grow in wisdom. This is what you need to understand about wisdom. This is, what, this is our outline for this evening. There's three steps to biblical maturity. First, acquire wisdom. Second, live out wisdom. And third, guard wisdom. So first one, acquire wisdom, acquire it. The first step of biblical maturity is that you first need to acquire wisdom. And we see this in the first nine verses of chapter four. Uh, now it sounds it's weird because I, I said, how do you acquire wisdom? You need to, how do you, how do you become wise? You need to acquire wisdom. It sounds like a circular argument. In order for you to obtain wisdom, you need to get wisdom. And that's, that's just the way it is. There's no other way for you to learn unless you go and, and find it. Look at verse one. Hear, O sons, the instructions of a father and give attention that you may gain understanding. Solomon begins by telling his son to hear him. This in the original is, is it means to just pay close attention and not just pay close attention, but oh, keep listening to me. Keep hearing what I have to say. Let it echo it, uh, throughout your mind. Repetition is the key to learning and the key to learning is repetition. Except what you need to be repeated isn't some sort of skill, but the word of God. God's word has to keep bouncing around your mind. You need to marinate into your brain. And, don't, and you need to not forget what, um, what the Lord tells you in his word. And David and Solomon are saying the same thing. Don't forget what I'm about to tell you. Not only to hear what Solomon's instruction is, but to keep giving attention to the little details of what he has to say. Listen and then pay, pay close attention to what Solomon has to say. This is a, a method and tactic try to get your own kids attention you when you say listen to me or you say eyes up here that's what Solomon is trying to do with his son right now he's saying that what he's about to impart onto his son is going to be something that will help him grow up and live safely in this world verse two for i give you sound teaching do not abandon my instruction this isn't this isn't Solomon trying to be cocky or overly confident though he is the wisest man in the world he's saying that what he's saying is inspired by God through the lips of David and Solomon. And now he's giving this to Rehoboam. Solomon wants his son to understand what he is going to say. Uh, this word sound here is actually the word for good. Uh, we see this in the first time this word appears in, is when God created everything. Um, uh, when, when God made the heavens and the earth, he said, this is good. This is the same word here. This is good teaching. This is sound teaching. And the reason why it's good is because it's from the Lord. Because our God is good. Solomon tells him to not abandon it. 
And in the Hebrew, it's actually more emphatic than just like, don't leave it behind. It's not saying, it's not saying don't abandon it. And it's even stronger than that. He's saying you should never, you must never leave behind what I'm about to tell you. Don't leave it behind wherever you go. This command from Psalm is this, that you must carry God's wisdom by any means necessary. I have grown to become somewhat dependent on my smartphone. I, without my smartphone, I've become a dumb person. And uh, when I leave my phone at home and when I go outside, I'm somewhat terrified because I'm like, oh man, what, am, what if someone calls me? What if, what, if, uh, what if Kelly calls me? What if something emergency happens? And what am I gonna do if I don't have my phone? Uh, so now in my mind, I, like, I always try to keep and make sure that my phone is nearby wherever I go so that I can you know, keep, uh, make sure that I'm safe or my family is safe. This is far more than just like a smartphone. This is wisdom. Not having your smartphone may make you dumb, but leaving behind wisdom will make you foolish. This is far more than leaving behind wisdom. This is, this is far more dangerous to leaving behind wisdom than anything else. You can leave behind your keys, you can leave behind um, your wallet, but if you leave wisdom behind, even if it's unintentional, it will hurt you. If you leave it, if you leave behind wisdom, the devil is going to come after you. It goes for the ones that are least suspecting. That's what First Peter says, the devil is prowling around the corner looking for unsuspecting people. Verse three. When I, was a, when I was a son to my father, tender, and, uh, and the only son in the sight of my mother, tender means young. This is this one, this, this is basically saying, when I was your age, this is what my daddy told me. This is him warning his son what his dad has warned him. We've already established that Solomon failed, and perhaps the reason why his son later failed is could be because his father wasn't a good role model. But you as a Christian must not be foolish like David, Solomon, or Rehoboam. A side comment, this is, is interesting that he speaks of himself being young here. There's a sense that when you're young, you still have the opportunity to learn. There's still people in your life that can shape you, that can guide you, and that can instruct you. This is a war for the mind. At the age that you are at right now, this fellowship group, this is a good age for you to learn. You must realize that your mind is a battlefield that's being fought between truth that's in scripture and the lies of the devil outside of scripture. When you are still young, when you still have your whole life ahead of you, you need to have a firm a grasp and understanding of truth. Build your convictions now, grow in wisdom so that you can be spared from the troubles that is to come if you don't listen to God's word. Verse four, then he taught me and said to me, let your hearts hold fast my words keep my commandments and live. Solomon said that David taught him to do what he's going to tell his son. He told him to let his heart hold fast to David's word. Uh, this is grandpa speaking now. This is a higher authority in some sense. It's almost like if you don't listen to me, at least listen to the guy that taught me. Um, and we, we somewhat understand that kids won't listen to their own parents, but they might listen to someone else who will say the exact same thing. Solomon's saying here that listen, if you don't want to listen to me, listen to my dad. Okay, listen to the, the former king of Israel. David said that if Solomon keeps uh, David's word, then in turn Solomon's telling his son keeping Rehoboam to keep God's command and they will live. He wants them to continue to hold fast to what he's about to tell them. The word commandment here, it means morally right and wrong. He's telling them to hold fast to the right things, to know what truth and error is, know what is pleasing to the Lord uh, and what is not pleasing to the Lord, what is holy to the Lord and what is sinful. Understand what those commandments are and keep it in your own heart. Verse 5, 
Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. This is a command. This portion is like saying, the parents saying, pay attention, listen up. Notice that how many times you use the word acquire he. In this verse, he uses twice, multiple, he uses it, but he uses it multiple times throughout this entire chapter. He's saying exactly what it says, to keep looking and take as many wisdom and acquire as much wisdom as you can. Keep acquiring for yourself understanding and wisdom. I don't know if you've ever seen these game shows where they like lock an individual in this kind of like a glass box. And uh, there's this one particular one where they put a guy in there and then there's like a tube that is kind of like tuck, like connected to the top of this box and they just shoot money out. And they said, what you have 60 seconds to gather all the cash that you want and whatever you can take is yours. And then like they give them six seconds and then like, a whole bunch of money just flies out and then, you know, because it's like a little chamber, wind blows everywhere and the guy's like scrambling all over the floor, jumping all around to try to get as much money as he can. And in this, in, in this, in the sense here, Psalm is saying that you need to uh, get gather wisdom in that way. If you were on this game show, uh, and and thing was, if instead of shooting out money, it was shooting out wisdom, and you're giving a certain amount of time frame to acquire as much wisdom as you can. How hard would you go to gather all the wisdom you can possibly receive? If for us, that means we practice what, what that looks like practically for us is that not only do we learn from uh, God's word, but we spend time with one another or we spend time with people in a different life stage. We learn from other people so that we can grow because those people that are older than us, eventually they'll, they'll pass on. Uh, I've, I've shared about how I, I love our elders. I, I gave a pastoral commandment that they have to live to 120 years old because when they're 120, I'll be like 80 and it's okay, we both go to the glory. I won't need them, uh, we can all go and I don't need you know, don't ministry altogether. Um, I depend on these individuals because I don't know what I don't know. And our fellowship group is designed for you to learn from people beyond your life stage. In this group, we have college, career, married, and we have one grandparent, <laughs> one grandparent group, uh, couple. And if you want an opinion, and this is just uh, just, just principle, life principles here, if you want an opinion, you want, you, you want to ask your peers. Peers will give you opinions. They're really good at giving you opinions. But if you want wisdom, ask someone that has gone before you. As someone that have lived longer than you. And this is what uh, Solomon's son did. In 1 Kings, we see Rehoboam, he had these older counsel, wise counsel from older people, and he instead he chose not to listen to them and listen to his peers. And then that's part of the reason why the nation was split into two. He failed to heed the warnings of those that are wiser, and say so he listened to his peers. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have like you know, like friends on your own life stage <clears throat> that you can't gain wisdom from it. Uh, but in order for you to be truly stretched, that peer that you have has to be exceptional and he has to be really mature. Uh, but if you really want to be stretched, like, like really badly, talk to someone in a different life stage. If you're in college, ask someone in Korea, what, is, what are some decisions that you made in college uh, that you wish you would have done differently? What are some things you can teach me? And if you're in Korea and you want to get married, Ask, talk to married people. We have those in our group as well. Uh, if you want to learn how to be a dad, talk to the fathers. If you want to be, learn how to be a mom, talk to the mothers. Um, this fellowship group is built this way so that uh, you can learn from one another. Um, this is how we create a, a culture of discipleship in our church. If you don't know who you can pour into, uh, if you don't know who, um, who can pour into you, just ask, ask me or someone else, and we can direct you to someone. Um, and the sad reality is that there are people uh, that are in our life now that are like a treasure trope of wisdom that will not be with us forever. 
So learn from them as much as you can. Try to be teachable and humble and ask people to pour into you. We have not just in this fellowship, but the church as a whole. We have like T2, we have all these, we have like the Wednesday night uh, men's Bible study, well, not, not men's Bible study. We have, yeah, we actually, we do have men's Bible study. And we have another uh, uh, singles uh, Bible study on Wednesday night as well. Join any of those things. Be part of it. Be in the life of other people that are older or different life stage and ask them to teach you, to pour into you, to disciple you. Um, an argument for not wanting to learn from other people is that you don't know them. Well, of course, you're never going to know everyone perfectly, but that's how you build relationships. You don't know them, then get to know them. Uh, get over your fear so you can learn more wisdom, so you can grow in your love for the Lord. You have to get over yourself from fear and learn. Um, or maybe some other, especially in our time now, one reason why we don't want discipleship is because of distance. Well, we have all this like tech stuff. Like if you truly want to learn and acquire wisdom, you'll do whatever it takes. You'll do whatever it takes to learn. Be humble and acquire wisdom. Verse six, do not forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. This sounds familiar as well because he tells his son <coughs> not to forsake wisdom. This is the same amount of force that he said about abandoning, don't abandon uh, a few verses ago, and you must never forsake wisdom, and wisdom will guard you. If you love wisdom, wisdom will watch over you. The word watch here means to continue to watch over yourself. It's actually kind of like a military term. You, it's like protecting something sacred, and that's what you want to do. You want to protect, um, you want to protect wisdom. Wisdom will protect you. This is what wisdom will do. When you find yourself in a situation where sin is involved, wisdom will keep you from falling to sin. We'll see, a little, we'll see this a little bit later, but understand that whenever someone falls into sin, it is always a momentary foolishness. People in the moment of, of temptation, instead of using wisdom to find a way out of temptation, choose to be foolish and decide to pick sin. Verse 7, the beginning of wisdom is... Acquire wisdom. When it's all you're acquiring, get understanding. This again is circular and is practical. <clears throat> if you want to grow in wisdom, go and find wisdom. The word acquire is the exact same word as used earlier and even the exact same tense. This is saying keep looking, don't stop, or continue to gather as much wisdom as you can. David tells them, or David tells Solomon to gather wisdom, and Solomon's now telling Ray Boom to get wisdom, which results in the next two verses, verse eight and nine. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace and she will present you with a crown of beauty. Both Solomon and David tell their respective sons to prize wisdom. To prize wisdom means to cherish it, to hold on it tightly to, in, in high regards. You need to cherish wisdom as if it's the most precious thing in your life. In verse nine, nine the point of this verse again is those that will seek wisdom will be honored by their usage of wisdom. And we understand this, right? First Kings, David, when he was uh, super faithful, uh, when he was super wise, and you remember the situation with the prostitutes and like, oh, well, two prostitutes, uh, one, uh, one of them lost her kid and the second, one of the prostitutes said, hey, she stole my kid, which kid is mine? And they did the cutting and Solomon said, oh, cut the baby in half. And the one that, uh, the one of the prostitutes said, okay, let the baby, okay, we'll cut the baby in half, we share. And the other one said, no, uh, give the baby to her. Solomon, his wisdom, could deduce that, okay, the one that said, give the baby, that's a true mother. And then, and then the whole world heard about his wisdom, and a whole bunch of people went to see and to learn and sit under his teaching. That's what uh, wisdom did for Solomon. It gave him this prestige and honor um, that, was, that was 
you know, he was just known throughout the world. That's why Solomon here is telling his son to cherish wisdom as if it's the most important thing in your life. Usually in a house fire, a person's priority is revealed. People tend to gather what's most important to them. I will gather my family and then I'll gather everything else. But my priority is family and then maybe like our important documents and then, and then other things. Um, I read a story when I was in LA about this Grammy winning producer whose house was burned down. You know, LA gets on fire from, you know, just a wildfire fires all over. But this one person grabbed every single one of his Grammys and, and everything else was burned down. He kept his Grammy awards. He prized those things as a demonstration of his earthly achievements. Uh, it was precious and valuable to him. It was his most prized possession. You know, and this is what we need to view. This is how we need to view wisdom. More than this guy to his little awards, we need to view wisdom this way. We must keep, it must be kept somewhere unique in our heart and minds. It, it must never be treated with a cavalier attitude. It must be something that has a special place in our hearts and in our lives. The motivation the result of acquiring wisdom is that wisdom will honor you. It seems to indicate that based on the way wisdom works is that you'll be known in society as someone that is wise. You'll be helpful to other people when it comes to solving life's problems. Again, this is what Solomon did. Solomon, for a while, he prized wisdom uh, because he, you know, he asked God, what, God asked him what he wanted, he gave him wisdom, and he was able to use wisdom well. The result is that everyone all over the world wanted to hear and learn from Solomon. If you want to be a godly disciple, if you want to be a mature believer, you need to first acquire wisdom. I said last week that discipleship requires you to seek out those that are wiser than you. And if you want to be a disciple, you need to prize wisdom and wisdom will exalt you. It, it, will take, it will make you into a place where you can channel wisdom for other people, that you can help other people grow in their love for the Lord. But in order to do that, you need to be wise. Look at how this is expanded uh, later. Um, part of the way God intended this world to pass on is, is, is <clears throat> part of the way the, the Lord want the world to work is that we pass on to future generation things that we learn. You first learn, then you apply it to your life, and then you teach it to others. You know God's word, and you become mature through it, and then you invest all that the Lord has taught you into someone else. David did to Solomon. Solomon is now due to Rehoboam. Granted, the latter two failed horribly. Uh, they, they didn't apply it well, but this isn't to say the same result will happen to everyone else. Uh, these are biblical truths that was rejected because of sin. And my hope is that you will learn from, from the wisdom of these people that spoke about and actually apply it so that you can avoid the same consequences of their moral failures. If you study Proverbs well, you'll be in the same boat as those individuals in terms of access to the wisdom of God. But what you do with it has yet to be seen. You must first seek wisdom if you want to be a mature believer. But not only that, the second step to be a mature believer is that you need to live it out. Live out wisdom or live, live, live out wisdom. Verse 10 to 12. Uh, if you have the first point, then the second point is what naturally will flow. The person must learn and then they must live it out. You can't live it out. And if you can't live it out, that, that means that you haven't truly learned it. Um, we understand this, that when we have exams in school, uh, you get tests to see how, how much you know, and tests are a controlled environment that's designed to stretch your mind to see how little or how much you know about the subject. And if you fail the exam, it shows that you, that you shouldn't, or in some cases, unable to advance to the next class or next subject. 
is why people are held back in school because if they go any further with this base foundations, they won't be the future thing. The more advanced things won't make any sense. The next step for our learning is to apply it. And Solomon knows that wisdom gives you long life, but that is only if you live it out. Again, this is a general principle. There are wise people that died young, uh, but there. <clears throat> but this is a general idea that if you live uh, faithfully, if you live wisely, you'll live a long life. Verse 10, hear my son, accept my saying, after the years of your life will be many. Solomon tells his son to continue to accept and never stop letting the words or sayings from him go. The result in living and practicing wisdom is that generally you'll live a long life. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 16 says this, uh, even Ephesians uh, when it tells the sons and daughters to submit to their parents uh, so they can live a longer life. And this, is a, this is the only command with a promise. Uh, wisdom keeps you from living recklessly. If you live out wisdom, your life will be spared. And you can enjoy a long and happy life. It is a blessing for Christians who walk wisely to live longer because they get to enjoy life. Blessings come to those who are wise. Psalm tells the son to walk in the way of wisdom. This is parallel to upright path. Solomon wants what is best for his son. He, for a moment, uh, set this path. It's, okay, here's where you need to go. Verse 11, I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the upright path. It's interesting that Solomon tells him that he directed and have led him there. The implication is that he can only bring someone there, but they have to walk the path themselves. Solomon can only point someone to the right direction, but eventually the journey is on his own. He needs to live out the things that he's learned. People that pour God's word into our lives, we must understand that we that people can only show us the path or the door, and we are responsible to walk through it or walk on this path. You and I learn, and uh, for us, for to truly for us to be tested, we truly grasp wisdom is how we live out our lives. We look at the circumstances of life and we apply wisdom into the situations. If a person cherishes wisdom, then the result is, follow, is in the following verse, verse 12. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. If you run, you will not stumble. If you pursue wisdom and live it out, life will be pleasant. Notice the word is when. It means as you live out the rest of life, you will encounter things that will harm you but wisdom will ensure that you get spared from those dangers. You will be, uh, you, you, you'll succeed in life if you cherish wisdom in your life daily. Psalm says, if you walk in wisdom, wisdom will protect you. You'll not lose your way. So we're impeded is the idea of being caught or, or trapped, uh, something has ensnared you. Um, well, if you're wise, those things will never, there won't be anything in your life that will, that will ensnare you. You won't be in a relationship you shouldn't be in. You know how to use your time better. You will know how to conduct your way in a workplace or whatever situation that you might fall uh, find yourself in. You will not act foolishly because wisdom will protect you from those things. And this word stumble here, it means to have a, it, it's, it means that you will not collapse. This actually has moral implications in Hosea chapter five, verse five. It uses the same word here to describe how Israel fell into iniquity. It stumbled into iniquity. It's, it's described Israel's harlotry by worshiping these false idols. If you are a wise person, if you apply wisdom in your life, you will not fall into sin. Sometimes we think of stumbling as an accident, like, oh, I tripped. Stumbling is actually not an accident, but more of a momentary in time where you're not paying attention. It's letting your guard down in times when it should be up. Whenever I go into my daughter's room, I know, based on knowledge, that in my daughter's room, oftentimes there's just toys all over the place. So what I need to do in order to prevent myself from getting hurt is to pay attention. 
Otherwise, I might end up stepping on one of her Legos, which hurts. It is a sanctifying experience to step on a Lego. I know that there's danger before me, but I wasn't attentive. If I step on a Lego, it just means I wasn't attentive. And this is what Solomon is trying to get at. Solomon is saying, you, are, you live in a world that's filled with sin. You live in a world that's filled with danger. If you understand this, then you need to use wisdom to ensure that you don't stumble into sin. Wisdom will make you pay attention to your circumstances so that you won't fall into any sin. More often than not, those who fall into sin are people who haven't thought through how to avoid sin altogether. This is how a foolish person, this is why a foolish person lacks wisdom, because they don't, they're not thinking about what they need to do. They see a situation and they run straight into it. People who fall into sin, they're not wise enough to guard themselves with what they are taught. You must remember that every time you fall into sin, it is a willful choice on your own to not guard yourself with wisdom. It is failure to pay attention to your surroundings. Think about our speech. When we sin and hurt people with our tongue, uh, we sin against God with our words because we fail to be wise with our words. When it comes to laziness, we waste our time when we sin against God because we fail to use our time wisely. When you fall into lust, we sin against the Lord because we don't guard our eyes with wisdom. Wisdom spared you from falling and tripping into sin. It is important to note that just because you have wisdom in your mind doesn't mean that you'll actually live out wisdom automatically. This is something that you actively have to do in your life. The application of wisdom is a choice that a believer decides to do. And although a lack of application shows a lack of true knowledge, wisdom, so you need to actually apply it. That's how you know you know what you're reading in scripture. So for you to have a full comprehension, a full, a more rounded understanding of wisdom, both intellectually and experientially, you need to actually live out wisdom. Solomon and David both had a tremendous amount of wisdom, but both of them in their sinful moments failed to apply the blessings that come from wisdom. They fail and didn't learn from their mistakes and, and, and they, wisdom, they knew what wisdom was, but it didn't keep them from making those same mistakes. Ideally, you learn from others so that you don't have to fall into sin. But if you fall, if you fail to watch these examples and how, how they failed, and you find yourself falling into sin, then wisdom tells you to be smart, uh, to be smart next time, to be smarter next time, uh, to learn from your mistakes, to guard yourself, to ensure that you don't fall back into that sin. I am all for accountability groups. I think that even uh, the little discussion groups that we have afterwards or the different small groups throughout the week or any type of uh, friends that you have, accountability is good. Accountability groups are essentially, it's just people asking each other to make sure that they're, they're walking wisely. Uh, have they been walking wisely since the last time they met? Accountability group allows you to check yourself and others to see if you are walking uh, together in wisdom. And you want to have those relationships in your life where people can look into your life and say, with you say to you lovingly that hey this decision is unwise and because it might lead you to sin you know i'm talking about sin here i'm not talking about preferences you you care about each other you say hey this is this trajectory where you're headed is not a good idea because it may turn your heart away from the lord you want those type of relationships and you want to be humble enough and even appreciative of those who are calling you out uh, on sin or if you're not living wisely you want these people in your life that when you they see you headed toward that direction they, they, they help you by, by encouraging you to walk in wisdom. Develop these relationships to help you guard your life with wisdom from a life of foolishness. That's why there's no such thing as a lone Christian. 
you can't be a, you can't be a Christian and say, oh, I don't, I don't need church. No, that's what the church is for. That's what these friendships are for. It's so that you can keep yourself from falling to sin. You can help others um, to you know prevent, help them prevent themselves from falling to sin as well. So ask yourself, who is in your life that can help you remind you to live wisely? Are there anyone? Is there anyone in your life that can to keep you in check from living foolishly. A mature believer goes from acquiring wisdom to then applying wisdom to life. Then think, they, they think about what they've learned, they think critically, and then they, they think about how they apply it to their life and then they actually do it. This is what makes a mature and wise Christian, someone that understands the word of God and apply it to their lives. Not only do we need to find, first seek wisdom and then live at wisdom, but lastly, we need to guard wisdom in our own hearts. We need to guard wisdom. That's the last one. We need to guard wisdom. Now, this last uh, several verse, I'm just going to kind of summarize because there's a lot here. Um, so I might rush through some of the things, but I'll summarize it. Um, wisdom can be acquired in your life, but understand that it, it can also be lost. It is something that can be taken away if you don't protect it. All three generations here, David, Solomon, Rehoboam, had wisdom. And at some point, because of their sin, they lost all that they've learned. They fail to do what they need to do to guard, to, to guard, to use God's word to guard their own hearts. Verse 13, take hold of instruction, do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. David and Solomon both said their sons need to take hold of it and not let it go. He said to hang on to wisdom to, for dear life. The word take hold is actually more than just holding it tightly, but it has this connotation of an athlete committing to a diet and an exercise and training. By restricting oneself in this way, an athlete can perform at top form without anything that can cause them to stumble or, or, or unable to compete. You notice here, guard her for she is your life. This shows up three other times in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 3, verse 22. Uh, later on, Proverbs 4, verse 22. And then chapter 8, verse 35. It tells you, guard her for she is your life. Uh, how does guarding Proverbs... How is that your life? Look at verse 14 18. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Um, avoid it, do not pass by it, turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they do evil and they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble, for they eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. For the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the day is full. There will be wicked people in your life that will either draw you or tempt you to follow them or they're going to go after you that's what psalm is trying to get there are people and uh that is going to make it's going to attempt to make you stumble verse 14 tells us uh, just get away stay away from them altogether don't be in their way or walk with them while they are on doing their thing uh, doing their sin verse verse 15 tells us avoid it altogether flee from sin verse 16 tells us that the evil person is so wicked that they can't even go to sleep unless they commit some sort of immoral act. These people love sin so much that they crave harming others uh, the way that people crave food for nourishment. They see causing people to sin as, some, as part of their, their livelihood. Verse 16 tells us that it's, it's a desire for those who hate God to make those who love God stumble. Uh, and, they, and they're always very subtle about it. Your people in your life that are not believers that influence you, they're not going to outright tell you to deny God altogether. They're just going to slowly chip away at you. Uh, there's a saying that death, <clears throat> death by a thousand cuts. You know, that's, that's how uh, people compromise 
it's, it's by it's not just one direct blow it's usually these small little cuts in your life that they'll take those take away your spiritual life it's a small compromise that will make you walk away from the faith learn from others mistakes because you don't have time to make all the mistakes yourselves we know that this isn't the case with Solomon, who had a thousand wives that turned his heart away from the Lord. Rehoboam, again, as I said, had terrible friends that gave him terrible advice and ruined the nation. Wisdom will teach you to stay away from those that will influence you to things that you know you shouldn't do. Stay away from those that will tempt you, uh, that will tempt you to cause you into, to fall into sin. Wisdom keeps someone from being, uh, being with people that will do evil. If you choose to ignore this, then harm will be done to you by the same people that you're associating yourself with. Now, now on the sign of be mindful of who you are, your close friends. I'm not saying that you can't have non-believing friends um, that have that live a certain sinful lifestyle. I'm saying that you just need to be mindful who influences you. You need to um, see with people you spend your time with. Who in your life do you trust the most? Who do you ask for advice? Who do you go for counsel? If your closest friends um, are people that has nothing to do with God or doesn't want to have anything to do with God, be careful that that, might, that person might actually influence you to leave the faith altogether. Another way of saying is that bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company also corrupts good theology. So you need to be mindful in the people that you have in your life. Verse 18, um, uh, but in the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Uh, the righteous live free of evil men, even if they are in the present of, in the evil world. It's interesting that he says that the righteous will shine brighter and brighter. I think this is speaking in terms of just the growth, your knowledge of God that produces in you Christ-likeness, and you will be completed, you'll only be complete in your glorification. As I said before, you need to see wisdom and foolishness in terms of moral terms. Therefore, you need to protect wisdom in your heart and mind the way that you would protect your own life from sin. This is what we call sanctification, that you're growing to be more and more like our Heavenly Father. The more you grow in your knowledge of God um, and what he expects of you, the more you apply it, the more you'll shine brighter, brightly for the Lord. This is what Matthew 5 talks about being, um, being salt and light into the world. Um, you will grow and, and you will shine brightly the more you are like our Heavenly Father. Verse 19, the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Now, it's interesting. There's this contrast between the, the light, those that are believers that are, are known as light, or sinful people are known as the wicked, or, the, or wickedness, wickedness is like darkness, where darkness is the same that's used in the book of Exodus. In Exodus 10, 22, when God, one of the plagues, he made Egypt filled with darkness. This is the same word here. The point is clear that there is no moral light of either uh, conscience within or revelation from without they do not know that their stumbling is going to destroy them uh for example they don't see the connection between well the illustration would be like they don't see the connection between what they're doing and the consequences of their sin uh they don't see that let's say for example for neurodisease and sexual immorality they don't see the connection between the two they don't see the connection between greed and debt they don't see the connection between war and tribal thinking a wise person can make the connection between evil deeds and evil consequences. Whereas the wicked, they don't even, they can't make that connection. They just do whatever they want and then they're blinded by their own sin. <clears throat> a fool is someone that fails to count the cost of their own action. They choose their sin and they choose not to think about the aftermath of their sin. This was the state that, um, this was the state that we were in before we came to saving faith. 
when, to the, when the Lord changed our heart, when he uh, reached into our and gave us a, uh, took out the, the, the heart of stone, gave us a, a live beating heart, when we have a new life, when we have a new birth, we can now decide, okay, I can say no to sin now. Verse 20, 23, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ears to my saying, do not let them depart from your sight, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Again, he's repeating himself. He, this is a, this is just like any parent. We say the same things over and over again so that our kids can get it because we know that they'll forget it. Uh, we say the same things over again because I, we know that they're going to forget it. Uh, he's exhorting Solomon to pay close attention to things that, that said. Verse 21, this is a, a slight escalation in admonishing his son to accept, telling him to accept what he's saying. He wants to, he wants him to hear it and then retain it. He's trying to get him to remember all that he just told him. Verse 22, uh, life here means a sort of uh, restoration to, to a full life that has been lost. Sound teaching preserves a person better than medicine. Wisdom helps you, helps you keep yourself from things that may be harmful. Again, verse 23 tells you to watch your own heart with diligence. This is, again, a military word here that was used earlier. It's, it's like protecting something that's valuable. Um, it's like, you know, with those... CIA or FBI agent protecting the president or the king or queen or whatever. That's the idea that, that you will do whatever it takes to make sure that wisdom is protected in your life. Verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. It's not enough. The one way you guard yourself is guard your wisdom is actually guarding your own mouth. One way that you can preserve the perception of wisdom to others is basically not to speak. If you guard if you guard wisdom in your heart, the result is that you will not speak things that are unwise. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll know when to not speak. And again, the inverse is also possible. If you don't guard wisdom in your heart, you may demonstrate that wisdom is not in you by the things that you say. Another way to put this, what is in one's lips is a reflection of a lifestyle. If you're a fool in the way that you speak, it's probably because there's foolishness in your own heart. Verse 25. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Whereas the last verse speaks to us to guard our eyes, this verse tells us to guard our, mind, guard, guard our eyes. Keep your eyes from losing focus uh, on where you need to go. Don't be distracted. Don't be tempted to look at anything else that may cause you to commit foolishness. Verse 26 to 27, watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. And this, all of this should sound familiar because Jesus told us that if there's anything, if, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your eyes causes you to uh, stumble, pluck it out. If your feet cause you to stumble, cut that off as well. This is the same principle here as it is in, in, in when Christ was saying it. The idea is that if you are wise, you'll do whatever it takes to keep yourself from sin. And that's how you guard sin, guard your, guard your wisdom. Uh, and that's how you guard yourself from sin is when you guard wisdom in your own life. Verse 26 and verse 27, uh, he's talking about the, the eyes, mouth, feet. Guard, uh, guard where you're going so that you don't fall into sin. Solomon and David's final command is to make sure that you don't deviate even a little bit. Wisdom tells us to not walk in the path of evil. Both Solomon and David instruct their respective sons to take care that every step uh, conforms with truth and the right way because one false step can prove lethal. Verse 27, there's, uh, it tells them, do not turn to the right nor to the left. 
uh, turn your foot from evil. This is an expectation, hope that the, that the sons and the future sons will not deviate from, from the right path. He wants them to be extremely committed to the correct path. This, a wise and mature believer knows how to cut ties and separate themselves from the path that leads them to sin. There's no such thing as being far enough from sin where you can relax and stop being wise. Never assume that you're in a safe distance between you and sin. You must always be either fighting sin or fleeing from sin. It's an active fight that you and I have to engage in, engage in until we either die or Christ takes us home. So you need to ask yourself this, why is it so important for us to guard wisdom? Is because it protects us from sin. And when we sin, if we fall, we lose those wisdoms that we've learned, the wise sayings, all the, of God's commandment. When we fall into sin, it, it blinds us from truth. A person can learn a lot from the best of the best and have the soundest and wisest advice, yet in a moment of folly, in a moment of foolishness, can lose all that they have learned. Sin has a subtracting and a compounding effect on wisdom. If it latches onto you, it will, it will make you walk away from all that you've learned. Again, all three of these individuals, David, Solomon, and Rehoboam, did just that. They all failed because they were foolish, and the consequence of their action impacted everyone around them. David's sin is what led Solomon to lose his older sibling. Remember, because of his sin with Bathsheba, that child was lost. Solomon's sin caused himself to turn his heart away from the Lord and turn everyone else that, that looked to him. The whole nation's heart was turned uh, to idolatry. And again, as I said, Rehoboam's sin so divided a nation. Wisdom, then, not only protects you from sin and danger, but it also protects those around you from the consequences of your own sin. Sin doesn't ever just stay between you and yourself. It will always harm others around you. If you want to be a mature Christian, you must first acquire wisdom, then you need to practice wisdom, and then you need to make sure you guard wisdom in your life. This is going to be a lifelong pursuit, and you will be in different seasons in your life where you'll be more of one than the other, but you will have all three. If you want to be a mature Christian, you must be doing all three, but there will be times where you'll be acquiring more, and there'll be times where you're applying more, and then there'll be times where you're guarding more. But like, like for example, right now, you guys are learning, and afterwards, I hope that you guys are going to think about how to apply it, and then when you leave and go about your life, you're, you're thinking about how to apply it, and as you're applying, you're also preserving it. You need to just do this for the rest of your life. This is what we're going to be doing. This is the life of a Christian, and this is what it takes to be a mature Christian. Let us close our time in prayer. Lord, we, we know that we fail in a lot of ways because of our own foolishness. We ask that you just give us wisdom um, in all the things that we've learned from, from the preaching of your word, from the discipleships, from the reading of, 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 of your word or, or even uh, great Christian books, that we take the things that we learn and we apply it to our hearts, that we glean from the wisdom as, as much of, of wisdom that we can acquire um, in the moments that we have so that we can guard ourselves from sinning against you. Lord, we know that your word is the only thing that can protect us from living a life of sin. And may we um, guard our hearts and minds with your word, Lord. Humble us, uh, show us our weak spots, allow other people to reveal areas in our life um, that are, that, that's really a path of uh, foolishness. Uh, allow us to be humble enough 
to repent of those things and to hear wise saying of other people in our lives, Lord. Lord, for some of us, may you give us desire to seek to seek wisdom, to, to learn from other people, uh, to learn from people that are that maybe uh, were un- that may be uncomfortable for us because uh, they might point out things in our life that is actually true. Give us a humble heart so that we can grow and to, so that we can all be uh, mature in your eyes, Lord. Thank you for this time that we have. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen.